You are now listening to the Instinct Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah McDonald. I put myself in the shoes of amateur athletes and interview Olympic, professional, and high-performance athletes and coaches. My goal is to show you how to crack the code and push the limits of elite sports performance. I'm a kinesiologist, a sports performance specialist, and I show you the tools, systems, and strategies it takes to play and perform at an elite level in sports and life. Grab your popcorn, get locked in, because this is the Instinct Performance Podcast, baby. Let's go! I'm extremely excited and grateful to welcome Riley McCulley to the show. Riley was a standout player at Michigan State University, a highly touted baseball school in the Northeast. Riley was drafted in the 2018 MLB draft by the Chicago Cubs in the 14th round. After being released due to COVID-19, Riley started his pitching endeavors. He has spent time at Cressy Sports Performance, a powerhouse for developing baseball athletes, and he now resides at Troy University, a Division I school in Alabama. We're going to talk all things pitching, all things performance, strength training, and how you can develop as an elite baseball player. Please welcome Riley McCulley to the show. Let's get into it. Thanks for coming on, Riley. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. I'm excited. Yeah, man, anytime. Um, I guess let's give some context for the listeners. I know I know you pretty well, but they don't. Um, lots of high school listeners, lots of college guys trying to make that transition from, from the amateur ranks to the professional ranks. Um, so let's, let's talk about your come up a little bit. Maybe you can talk about late high school, um, how Michigan state unfolded for you. Maybe some of the things that got you in that position to play for Michigan state and then ultimately getting drafted. And then we'll, we'll dive into the pitching side of things. So yeah, let's, let's hear some of that, that come up. Yeah, so I'm from Sterling Heights, Michigan, um, a pretty big town, 20 miles north of Detroit. Um, went to Sterling Heights Stevenson High School, which is a pretty big high school in the state of Michigan for baseball. Was a shortstop growing up all through high school, recruited as a shortstop to Michigan State. Um, was then a converted pitcher um, once I got to Michigan State, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about later. And then um, got drafted by the Chicago Cubs in the 14th round of the 2018 MLB draft. Played two and a half seasons with them. Um, got released during COVID and then started my transition in the coaching career where I finished graduating from Michigan State and was a student assistant there and then went and interned at Crusty Sports Performance and then was lucky enough to get hired down there. And uh was not planning on leaving, loved the gig down there, but one of my ex-pitching coaches in college took the head coaching job at Troy and uh, wanted me to come, and college baseball's been where I want to be for a while, and to get an opportunity at this age, I couldn't turn it down. Yeah, 100%. I'm actually, uh, you're a dirtbag. I didn't know you were a shortstop converted pitcher. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I was the guy with a good arm in high school who would come in sometimes and just throw hard, but I, I didn't, I mean, I think I only threw maybe 20 innings my senior year of high school was pretty much just a shortstop coming up. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. So you did you pitch at did you pitch at all in high school, or it was more this guy's a good arm? If we got to fill up innings, we'll fill up innings. Yeah, it was kind of one of those deals where we would play five, six innings, and if it was a big game or uh, needed a win, and we were up a run or two, I'd come in and close it out in the last inning. Yeah, but, I mean they saved me as much as they could for to play shortstop and get at bats as they could. So I, I mean. Going into college, I knew there was maybe a chance that they were going to take a chance on me pitching and just check me out in the fall and see how my arm looked. But I think the initial plan was for me to either play second or short. Yeah. And then what what switch once you got to Michigan State? Like, it, Was it just a better fit for you to come in as a pitcher or what ended up happening? Yeah. So I went, I went my whole freshman fall doing both probably through seven or eight innings, um, probably got 50 at bats. And I just, I couldn't adjust to the velocity at the the big 10 level. So we had an honest sit down with the pitching coach and head coach at the time, just about how they saw a lot out of me as a pitcher um, and that they didn't think my swing or, or, you know, how I was in the field was going to translate into, you know, helping the team win. So we sat down and kind of just said, Hey, we're going to try to make you back of the bullpen type guy that comes in and throws hard and, you know, saves, closes games out for us. And it ended up working out. <laughs> sure. So I was open-minded about it. I think being a shortstop my whole life kind of helped me become a better pitcher when the time came. And uh, yeah, I mean, I took off with it. Now I'm obsessed with pitching. <laughs> 100%. That's wild. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's die. Let's dive right into pitching, man. Let's uh, one thing that's kind of turned my, head upside down over the past six months um, is sort of the individualized approach to training every athlete. And that includes pitching. So on the weight room side of things, like when we're looking at the biomechanics of an athlete, I mean, we're testing joint mechanics uh, and everything in between, but as a pitcher and as a pitching coach, are you doing the same thing? Like, are you working with the strength coaches, the performance coaches, or are you doing your own assessment? Like, Talk to me about the individualized approach as a pitcher and your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, in the perfect world, I think, and I would kind of say CSP is kind of the perfect world in this sense where they have a PT, strength coach, pitching coach, who are all on board with the same eval. But in the perfect world, you have a strength coach, an athletic trainer, and a pitching coach. You kind of all understand how each individual, individual guy moves in his own patterns. And we can address what he's good at, what he's bad at, and then we build his um, like delivery um, according to how like the positions he can get into and get out of. So um, I would say in the perfect world, I would sit down with a strength coach, go over the programming that we're doing for the specific athlete, um, what he feels good doing, what he's not good at, and then take that to the mound and figure out a way to maximize his potential in the movement patterns that he currently has. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, especially these days as like as we evolve with technology and video and and as the sports performance world evolves um we're better able to understand why athletes can get into certain positions and and even me being around i'm around some high school athletes some of the time down here and and you'll i'll hear coaches scream from the other dugout hey get on top of the ball or hey do this hey do that and, and I just like vividly remember us at CSP and it's like, you know, we're telling this kid to do X and get X result, but his body physically doesn't let him move in that way. 
Um, and I do want to talk about that because I remember, I won't, I won't name drop, but university kid comes in and he's throwing all right. What was he, 88-ish? And then... Uh, yeah, a couple of those guys had some solid arms. Yeah, and then Cap gives him a quick, like, two-word adjustment and he's through the roof and he feels good and coaches told him not to go in that position, but that's the way his body wanted to work. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit? Can you talk about how a pitcher can start to figure those things out? Yeah. I mean, I think in my own experience, I'll talk about first of being kind of a shortstop and coming up in that, that sense. When you look at a shortstop or center fielder, right fielder, when they're making a big play, it's kind of get the ball in your glove and get it out on a line as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And over time, you know, playing shortstop over the years, over the years, over the years, getting good training under my belt, my body started to just adapt in these movement patterns that it felt it could efficiently get into. So that once I got on the mound, you know, my body just got in these positions that I got into as a shortstop that was throw the ball hard, throw it on a line, get it out quick. Um, I think nowadays too many guys are, you know, either on Instagram or Twitter or looking at these analysis and they're, they're seeing a role that's Chapman's mechanics. And they're like, Hey, I need to sit here. I need to have my glove here and all this. And they become robots. And that's when you start getting in bad positions that, you know, your body can't physically get into. Um, you wonder why your shoulder starts bothering you or you're not throwing as hard. Um, and that's where, you know, Cap and Mark and CSP were so good at understanding, like, what positions certain bodies should get into and how it's going to maximize their performance. And in that incidence, it was somebody that if you were to watch him throw, you'd be like, man, that looks horrible. But in reality, he was throwing 92 like that and his arm didn't hurt. Whereas before he was trying to do the whole sit, drop and drive type deal that his pitching coach at school was having him do. And his shoulder was barking him and he's maybe 87, 88. And maybe that wasn't a pitching coach as far as anything. He just didn't maybe get eval properly or have someone take an eye, like look at him and see how his hips move or how his shoulder moves. And, you know, once we did that down there and we're like, hey man, these movement patterns you're in are just not efficient for your body he kind of shot up and felt good. And I'm pretty sure he had a real good summer. I know he had a really good outing in that live game that we had down in Florida. He was up to 92 and it was like the first time he had ever broke 90. And I was just like, man, this approach really, really does work. Yeah. 100%. That's, that's really cool. And also a little counterintuitive. And I think, I think listeners, pitchers listening, um, you know, maybe the first step to this off season is find a qualified professional who can take you through a, a full body assessment and then and then start to talk to a pitching coach or find a pitching coach who understands the body and who can help you build these these solid foundations so yeah that's that's great um so let's let's almost build let's build a, a phantom pitcher together um obviously we don't know any of his his body assessment numbers but we'll talk about the basics like you said delivery timing arm action and stuff like that just so our listeners can start to get a feel of what really goes into developing an elite pitcher so um you just had a ton of pitchers come into troy university um you're evaling them seeing what they're going through what they look like um can we talk about some of the basic things that you look at when you first eval and, and assess a pitcher yeah i think the most basic thing is um, and you hear this a lot as a stiff guy or a hypermobile guy. 
Um, right off the bat, you can tell if a guy is very, very loose and you can tell if a guy is very, very stiff. And this is going to limit them both in different ways. Um, you'll see with stiff guys typically, um, you know, own positions, but don't very move, don't move very fast, don't create much range of motion, whereas some of these loose guys like a Chris Sale are all over the place creating these crazy ranges of motion, but don't have much control over it. So I would say that's the first thing. And a lot of that stuff can be fixed, you know, in a great warm up, great strength and conditioning program. Um, but then you start getting in the nitty gritty of, you know, he's got this much ER in his right leg, this much IR on the left, or this shoulder does this, this shoulder does that. That's where you start to build, you know, I'm not saying perfect mechanics, but that's where you start to educate a player on, you know, maybe this drill or this exercise fits your body better is going to help you, you know, fill this position that you should feel on the mound. And then, you know, as over time you complete a perfect warm up, you have a routine, you get in the weight room, the strength coach is going to help you dominate those positions. It just starts to adapt on the mound. And that's when guys start to, you know, really feel the benefits and, you know, stay healthy and get better. Yeah, that's awesome. And let's, uh, you mentioned routine as well. Um, can you talk about your routine coming up? Uh, what made you successful and sort of how did that routine prepare you to step on the mound, both mentally and physically? Yeah. So first off, I think a routine is probably the number one thing in any athlete, especially a pitcher or a hitter in baseball is when you're trying to build consistency and want to throw strikes and go out there every day healthy you got to have a routine that first off you trust second off that fits your body. So that's where going in and seeing a strength coach or a PT or a pitching coach that can assess you and help you with a warm up that fits your body. That's the number one thing is, is, is a good warm up. Um, and then you start going into, you know, the bands and the, and the plyo cares and all that. That's, um, that's also a big step in your routine and trusting your preparation and getting your arm loose. And then the throwing program, so, you know, if you're a guy that likes to long toss or go 120 or go 90 feet or, you know, what you want to do on a heavy day or on a recovery day, that's that's very, very important. And um, I would tell young listeners to to go out and just play catch and try different things, see what feels good, see what days your arm feels sore, what days your arm feels good. Start jotting that stuff down and, and remembering, you know, when I threw this many pitches, and, and, and I wasn't sore the next day. This is what I did as a warm up and throwing program. And then maybe start trying that out. And then, you know, the day after, try different throwing routines to see how you bounce back quicker. And then once you start building all those routines, you're going to just build consistency in throwing strikes. You can start throwing harder because you know how to bounce back and recover. And, and I think this is what you see a lot of these guys that, you know, are high end college players and then they go and they're still high end base or, um, pro ball players and they make it to the big leagues and stay healthy. These are the guys that have, you know, consistent routines that they probably learn from a smart pitching coach or strength coach at a young age and stayed healthy and, you know, trust the process that they're in. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you said, go and try stuff out because it doesn't matter how much information you and I have or how much we've studied the game. If I've met you on day one, I can't give you a program and say, this is going to 100% work, but I can tell you, this is a template and we're going to adapt on the fly as you feel and as you go. Um, and I think that's so important because I think, I think kids, especially amateur athletes, they'll go into the game, play the game, do whatever, but they, they lack the detail that it takes to continue to play like that. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy that you said that.
And yeah, and that, I, mean, I would I would say that's a mistake that I I made later on in my career. Mm-hmm. And you know, I obviously still beat myself up over it. But you know, you start getting into these high levels of baseball, and you know, you're a guy that may be in the middle of the pack, and you see a guy that's in the high the one of the guys throwing upper 90s, getting out at a high level, projected to go in the big leagues, and, and you see his routine, and then you start changing yours because you think that's going to get you to throw 100 miles an hour or have a good breaking ball. And that's sort of what I got caught up into eventually. And that's when my career started to decline is because what I trusted and what I knew helped me get better. I stopped believing in because I saw these other guys doing other stuff. So I would say just dominate your routine, figure out a routine, dominate it, and and don't let anyone change your mind on it. 100%. 100%. At the end of the day, you spend – every minute of every day in that body, every minute of every day practicing, you, you know yourself better than any coach will ever know you. Um, so that, yeah, exactly. that's an incredible point. Um, oh, dude, I'm, I'm going to open the bag of worms on here. So you mentioned, oh, boy, here we go. Plyo balls, weighted balls. Um, let's, let's, let's focus on the, the high school kids. Uh, we'll talk about when we can start with them when they're useful, why they're useful. Um, well, let's just go down the rabbit hole. I don't want to ask you a specific question, but we'll, we'll start somewhere. We'll talk about weighted balls and how they're appropriate and how you've seen success and how you haven't seen success. Yeah. So, I mean, at the high school level, um, I never threw weighted balls in high school. Um, if I would have had a pitching coach or strength coach that's educated on it, I would definitely been open-minded and wanted to. Um, I think, and well, I know the, the first thing you need to do is build a foundation physically, uh, mentally, have a routine, a warm up, get in the weight room, get strong, start building some stiffness in good areas, um, get mobile in good areas. That's number one. Yeah. Um, number two, I think you got to educate yourself on on what, you know, plyo care drills fit your body and most importantly, um, safe weights to throw in the safe amount of throws to make. Um, I think a lot of kids get caught up in following programs that they find online and, you know, you're making 20 throws with the green ball and then 20 throws with the blue ball and then this yellow ball. And before you've even touched the baseball, you've made 85 throws and then you go and throw and you feel good. And then the next day you're like, oh man, my shoulders all banged up. And you're like, well, I only made 30 throws out in the outfield. But it was like, realistically, you made 85 throws before you even touched the baseball. Yeah. So first thing is just educating yourself on that. Um, I think people got to understand the true reasonings of the plyo carrier balls. Um, I think a lot of people use them for velocity development. When, when you're making throws before you're playing catch, it's more for building body awareness and warming up and activation and just feeling good. Um, you start to drive or dive into the, the actual leather weighted balls and pull downs and stuff like that. Um, I would say that's more for advanced athletes that are really trying to gain velocity or you know, have had a really, really good off season of throwing program and, and they want to ramp the intensity up and they do a three or four week little program of weighted balls. I'm all in on that. Um, like I said, you just got to be real smart with the weights that you use and how many throws you're making and making sure you're listening to your body. But I'm, I'm all go for weighted balls as long as you do them safe and you build the foundation first. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And how, how can we figure out what weight's appropriate and what drills are appropriate? Yeah, so, I mean, first off, if you're a guy that's just starting to throw weighted balls, um, 
if you have the driveline ones, I think it's the red ball. That's a seven ounce. That's two ounces heavier in the base. But I would just start with that and see how your arm feels. Start using that ball, warming up with that. And then once you feel comfortable, you know, after a couple of weeks or a couple of days, you know, maybe go to the, the blue ball that's 14 ounces. Um, once again, back to the stiff and loose guys. I think stiffer guys typically work well with heavier balls because it lays them back a little bit more and puts them in positions that they typically can't get into. And since they're so stiff, they're typically stable in those positions. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a super hypermobile young kid, um, the second you put something heavier in their hand, it's just going to lay them back and put them in these crazy positions and they're going to start compensating and pushing the ball. So um, I think videoing, having someone video you and, and take a look at how your mechanics look with a weighted ball. If you throw a weighted ball and you look and it's like, oh man, that's probably a bad position, then it's probably a bad weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to rethink whether it's it's a weight issue or if I should even be throwing these weighted balls or someone needs to sh- teach me how to properly throw these. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny. I had um, I had an athlete drive in this morning and I was just talking to his dad. He'd been battling an elbow injury for the last, I want to say year to six months. Um, and we just got, I just got to talk to him about throwing volume and stuff like that. And I just said, hey, okay, like this off season, what did training look like? And it was like, oh, we kind of showed up to a barn or a, like a hockey rink that was empty and threw twice a week. And that was kind of it. And then whatever. And then the season starts and I said, okay, well, well, like what was the volume of the season? And he says, well, we had three practices a week and then we had four games a weekend. And I said, well, that's pretty tough on your body to go from two, one and a half hours, probably very low intensity practices to, now you're throwing six times a six ish times a week and you're throwing all weekend. <laughs> like number yeah. one, of course your elbow hurts my elbow and my arm hurts just thinking about that. Um, and that goes right back to the, okay, I just did a weighted ball routine and threw 85 throws. Cause I don't know why I threw 85 throws and now I'm going to go out to the field and try and throw some more. So I think the volume aspect is, is important for athletes just to be cognizant of like, maybe your shoulder hurts because your volume is way too high or you're not prepared for the demands of your season. Um, and, and I don't think we should lose sight of that. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, in season, and I know I've seen guys do this, see some guy throwing weighted balls and they're like, Oh man, he's throwing hard. Maybe I should try these out in season is not the time to start picking up weighted balls or any crazy or not crazy, just any different routine whether it's, hey, I should maybe, I'm going to start running more sprints or do this exercise. If you feel good and you're having a successful season, stick it out, stay with the routine. And, you know, when the next off season comes around, go speak to somebody that understands throwing and volume and biomechanics and get a weighted ball routine from them. But, you know, people who do it the right way, they build their plyo care and weighted balls with their throwing and lifting. It's, it's, it's built up over time rather than just, hey, I'm going to pick these up you know, in mid season and just see how it feels. That's, that's definitely not the approach. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. I got, I got a couple more for you. I won't, I won't keep you all night, but let's talk about, uh, let's talk about developing pitches a little bit. Um, how do I play off my strengths? I'm going to be an athlete right now and I'm going to talk to you as an athlete. So Riley, I got a, I got a four seamer, a two seamer, a slider, and sometimes a curveball. Um, I have a changeup, but it sucks and I don't like throwing it. Um, 
And I'm just trying to figure out what pitches I should focus on because I feel like I'm trying to develop five pitches and I only have one pitch that's really good and I kind of suck. Um, can you help me figure out like what pitches I should throw um, and how I go about developing those pitches? Yeah, so I think the first thing is figuring out the fastball that feels good for you, whether it's a two-seam or four-seam or both of them. Um, until you can command a fastball and you feel comfortable with one, um, especially at a real young age, um, I would stick with that, catch play, dominate fastball, catch play, work in, out, up, down. Um, and then typically you'll see guys try to mirror an off-speed pitch off their heater. So if I'm a big four-seam guy, um, I'll throw a big breaking ball with it. That's like the Craig Kimbrells of the world, the Jack Lighters. Yeah. Um, if I'm a guy who throws a good sinker or two seam, typically, not all the time, but typically those guys will throw cutters or sliders off those, try to split the plate in half. Um, and then I think everybody should have some sort of change up that they can at least just throw off their fastball when they need to. Um, but in the day and age we live in now, you have Rapsodo, TrackMan, Edgetronic, all these cameras and, and videos. <laughs> Go out and, and see somebody that understands this stuff and can see where your wrist and hand and everything is and, and tell you what pitches are moving the way they should and are healthy for your arm and what pitches probably aren't moving the way they should and aren't healthy for your arm. So, yeah, first thing is fastball command. And then after that, mirror off-speed pitch with it and, and then command to change up. That's that's the the basics. Yeah, I love that. And you're... You said fastball plays off the forcing fastball plays off the curveball. So it's almost like you're working in like a north south axis or a east west or somewhere along that line. I know some guys aren't stuck yeah. one way, but. Yeah, yeah and that, that's typically, and that's what you're seeing in the big league level a lot now is guys, you call it pitch mirroring. So you throw a ball that goes, rises, you'll try to throw a breaking ball that goes straight down off it. So. Yeah. At 45 feet, those pitches both look like the same pitch, and then one takes off up and one goes straight down. Same thing with the two-seam slider. A another thing I would say, though, for the younger guys out there, I mean, anybody, is if you have a good fastball in a good changeup, don't go chasing a cutter and a slider and a breaking ball. Let's just pick three pitches, dominate those three, make sure we can command those, put, a put guys away with those throwing two O counts, throwing O counts before we start chasing five, six pitch mixes. Yeah. I would say stick to two or three first. And, you know, if you're like a Clayton Kershaw or Zach Greinke and you can manipulate your hand the way you want to and command in four or five pitches, then go ahead and do that. But younger dudes, I think you got to figure out two or three pitches that really work for you first before you go in the backyard and start just ripping sliders and breaking balls. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So... All right, brother. I got I got one more question. Just give some of these guys some insight and in, you know what it took what it took for you to ultimately play Division One, dominate at that level, and, and get a chance to to play professional baseball. I know there's a lot of listeners that think they work hard or think they know what it takes. Um, there's luck. There's skill. There's a ton of hard work. There's a ton of failure. Um, can you talk about some of the detail that went into your training and, and some of the work ethic that, that you had? Yeah. So I, I would say I was lucky at a young age. Um, I think I was maybe a freshman in high school. There was a, a, a little training facility by me in Detroit called 2SP. 
which is now a very, very big training facility that trains a bunch of MLB and, and uh, NHL guys. But I was very lucky to get hooked up with them at a young age and start to learn the proper way to, to you know, warm up and lift and recover and eat and sleep. So I was very, very lucky to get on top of that at a young age, build a, a foundation so I could, you know, add intent to, to my throwing and lifting. Um, I think being a shortstop in high school and getting converted to a pitcher was was very big for me in the sense of just being athletic, figuring out my arm action. Um, and, and I would encourage younger kids to play football, play basketball in high school. Um, don't just be a baseball all year round guy because you start getting those robotic positions and, and you're so focused and doming yourself up over getting these perfect mechanics. Whereas, you know, just go in the backyard and throw the football with your friend or take ground balls and throw them across the diamond. Um, in college and pro ball, I started to get more deep into the routines of like meditation and, and mental training, actually really eating the right stuff. And I think that's where you see these big time big leaguers and these guys who are really good in high school, really good in college, and they make it to the big leagues are the guys that take the, the little things that they take them very, um, they're very important to them, like eating breakfast getting nine hours of sleep, drinking water. It sounds like little stuff, but that's the stuff that over time really takes as you takes you over, um, over the notch. Um, like I said, warming up, throwing, um, eating, sleeping, all that is, is very, very, very crucial. And it's stuff that I did that helped me um, become the player I was. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Let's, uh, Let's leave it at that today. Uh, we'll do a round two. I'm sure people will be fired up. And have Are you an athlete trying to take your sports career to the next level? Are you trying to secure your spot on an all-star team, college roster, professional roster, or Olympic roster? Are you an athlete who is highly motivated and works hard in the gym and on the field but aren't seeing the results you deserve? That's where I come in. I'm a sports performance specialist and I help athletes separate themselves from their competition through precise, detailed, and meticulous strength training programs. I help you develop the speed, power, strength, and athleticism it takes to stand out and separate yourself from your competition. If this is something you're interested in, head over to my website, instinctperformance.ca and fill out the online coaching application form and we will schedule a free consultation to see if you're a good fit. What this looks like. If you get accepted, you'll receive a detailed movement assessment where you, we test your deficiencies and determine what your strengths and weaknesses are. Number two, you'll have access to an app that I use that outlines the exact exercises, sets, reps, and rest intervals. This app gives you full video breakdown of each movement so you know exactly how to do it. If this is something you're interested in, head over to our website, instinctperformance.ca. Hit us up on social media. Instagram is ip.performance and Facebook is instinctperformance. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Isaiah out.